thank you for being here on Mother's Day on this very, very special day. Uh, we've got some things that, uh, that we're going to be doing. Make sure that you take advantage of our photo op area for you and your spouse or you and your mom. And if you do something like that and you put it on Facebook, will you tag the church? Because we like to see all the, the faces that are going to our church that are get their, getting their pictures taken. So make sure you do that. Uh, I want to say something very quickly before I get started. Shawnee High School baseball team won state for the third year in a row. Isn't that awesome? I know we had some in the first service. Do we have any in the second service, just parents or kids in the second one? Okay, well, never mind then. But uh, that, that for the third consecutive year, Shawnee won state, so I want to congratulate them. Let me kick this off with prayer, and then we've got to get, go ahead and get started. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here. I pray that you open up our hearts and minds to receive what you would, would speak, want to speak into our hearts, and may we honor our mothers, and may we honor you today. In Christ's name, and everybody said? Amen. There is a difference in being raised by a father and a mother, or, or father and a mother. There's a difference between the way fathers raise kids and the way mothers raise kids. There's a difference in the way that they treat them when they're alone. There's a difference in the way that a father will deal with his kids when he's babysitting them and the way a mother will. And the reason I know this is I've brought proof today. So I'm going to show you just a few images of the differences in the way that kids are dealt with when it comes to their parents. For example, when, when <laughs> mothers are feeding kids and fathers are feeding kids. We, all, we, we always wear sleeveless shirts like that, too. So, so go ahead. What else we got? Uh, when, you're, when mom's giving a baby a bath and when dad's giving baby a bath. We always... We think that's really, really cool. Go ahead. When mom's alone with a baby and when dad's alone with a baby, they take advantage of that quality time. Go ahead. When mom's teaching, this is how you ride a bike, son. This is how you do it. Okay. All right, go ahead. Uh, when shopping, we don't always have time for the basket. Don't want to negotiate that. It's a lot easier just to keep them in the stroller. We don't have to unbuckle them from the seat. Go ahead. Uh, when, when theme parks, we always want to take control, show them how to drive. All right, go ahead. Anytime we're out and about, it's a way to handle your kid. And so, of course, and when we take him to the zoo... It's always a good way to show them how to feed the animals. Go ahead. And of course, when we are teaching them to play with toys, there's a way to teach kids to play with toys, and we always make sure as guys we show them how. And uh, when we're teaching them to cook, we always make sure that we uh, want to teach them the real life ways to cook, teach them how to grill. I think that might be all. No, one more? Okay. Of course, Halloween costumes... We know how to dress them up. <laughs> Want to make sure that they win and scare people at the same time. Be creepy. That's it. So, Yeah, there's a big, big difference that I can tell you right now. And this is a fact that everybody here, you would not be here today if it weren't for your mother. Amen? Amen. So we, we honor our mothers today. You know, every mother was once a little girl who became a woman who eventually became a mother. And within every woman, there is this little girl who dreams of certain things. And those things, they never leave her heart. And that's the reason why she still likes, no matter how old she becomes, she still likes romantic movies, flowers, 
Yes, guys, she likes flowers. I don't care what she says. She likes romantic movies, flowers, and she still likes puppies. And she is still the, one of the most powerful forces in the world. That is a woman. With her beauty, her love, and her mind, she influences her man. And with her nurturing and with her teachings, she is influencing the next generation. That's how powerful women are. I've titled this message, A Wise Woman. I know that that's pretty simple. I'll explain it here in just a second, but I've titled it A Wise Woman. You know, in the world that we live in, especially reaching and growing up millennials, I believe that there is this massive increase in knowledge and education. There is anything that you want to know within your, within your fingertips. Yet, I believe that there is this scarcity of wisdom with this increase of knowledge, with this increase of, of, of education. There is this scarcity of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to understand and to apply the things that you've learned through education and knowledge and life experience. See, that gives you the ability to have sound judgment. It gives you the ability to make good decisions with your life. That's what wisdom does. Because listen to me carefully. You are where you are today because of your wise or your foolish decisions. We are all here. I am here today. We are all here today because of, because of our ability to make or to not make wise decisions. Education and knowledge, well, that can be bought. It can be fast-tracked. If you put in the time, you put in the work, you put in the effort, you can get the training, you can get the certificate, you can get the degree, and you can get the job, and you can get paid. But wisdom's not like that. Wisdom is more organic. It is much organic as it is pragmatic. You can't cram for it. It can't always be planned out. It takes patience. It takes time. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes humility. It takes involvement in the lives of other people. It takes life experience, and that can't be Googled. Wisdom can't be Googled. That's why I believe wisdom is becoming such a rare commodity in our culture into the next generation today for those that are growing up tethered to a smartphone where digital FaceTime is replacing human FaceTime. And I don't have anything against smartphones. They're an incredible tool. But digital images are replacing human interaction. And people, I believe, because of this are decreasing in their ability to obtain wisdom in their lives. Because life and wisdom is so much more than what you can read or view in the palm of your hand. So when I'm talking about wise, when I'm talking about wisdom, I'm talking about how God made women to pursue wisdom. If you want wisdom, if you want the things that I'm talking about today and next week, I think it's important that you seek that because it's going to take some effort. And I also thought it was important on this Mother's Day that I share with you one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. One of my favorite stories in the Bible of an incredible woman who won the heart of a king and at the same time saved her entire family because of her acts of wisdom. Her name is Abigail, and her story is in 1 Samuel, the 25th chapter, and the first verse. And I'm going to read all this, then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to break it down. You're going to love this story. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to love this story. (laughs) At least I did. This story is about David, and this is the David that we all have heard about, David who killed Goliath. But he was... 
he was in a certain part of his life, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. David moved to the town, or David moved down to the wilderness of Maon, and there was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and he had 1,000 goats, and it was sheep shearing time. And the man's name was Nabal, and his wife, Abigail, was a sensible and a beautiful woman. But Nabal was a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all of his dealings. Now, to tell you where David was, David was already a famous warrior. He had 600 men who was running with him. And uh, he was running from King Saul, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but he was running from King Saul, and he'd been kicked out of the kingdom. He was being pursued, and he was living like a bandit. He was living in the wilderness. And he runs upon this man named Nabal, and he was living on the outskirts of his property in the wilderness, and he was kind of protecting all of his sheep and whatnot. So this, uh, this is wh- where we are. And at the same time, it was sheep shearing time. Everybody say sheep, sheep say it. You got to be careful of that, don't you? Sheep shearing time, which is basically harvest time if you own sheep and goats. It was like a big festival, big, big party, days upon days of party and harvest time, making lots of money, bringing dozens of people. They trim all of your sheep. They shear all of your sheep, and you have this big, big roast of lamb and whatnot. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, He sent 10 of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own, Nabal. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. And while your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them. And nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men and they will tell you that this is true. So would you be kind to us? Since we have come... At a time of celebration, please share any provisions that you might have on hand with us and with your friend David. David's young men, they sent this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young man. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There's a lot of servants these days who are running away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men, hmm, probably didn't want to send that message back to David. David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Get your swords, David said. Lock and load was David's reply as he strapped on his own sword. Then 400 men started off with David and 200 remained behind to guard the the equipment. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, Hey, Abigail, listen, listen to me. David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us, and we... We haven't suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection all around us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do, for there's going to be trouble for our master and for the whole family. He's so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep, that, and, that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, a hundred clusters of raisins, 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, go on ahead. I'll follow you shortly. 
But she didn't tell her husband, Nabal, what she was doing. He'd been enough help. Would you agree? <laughs> As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had just been saying a lot of good it did to me to help this fellow. We protected his flock in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen, but he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one man from his household is still alive tomorrow morning. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got up from her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked, ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. That's what his name means, by the way. (laughs) Could have been why he turned out so bad, because his parents named him that. But I never, ever saw the young men you sent. Now, my Lord, she's still talking to David. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, she's talking about his dealings with Saul. Let all of your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. And here is a present. Take this present of all this food, she's saying. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you. And your young men, please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty. For you're, you are fighting the Lord's battles. And you have, done, you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience will not have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, David, your servant. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense, Abigail. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, return home in peace. I have heard what you said. I will not kill your husband today. As I was thinking of a title for this message, I thought of other, and I finally came up with a wise woman But I thought of all the other things that you could have titled this message, all the other topics. This could have been called How to Deal with a Future King. It could have been called How to Keep a King from Murdering Your Entire Family. It could have been called, this is my personal favorite, How to Save Your Family Even Though You Live with a Fool. How to Win the Heart of a King. And finally, it could have been called, and I'll talk about this next week, it could have been called How to become a queen, because that's what finally ends up happening to her. This story of Abigail, it encapsulates 
every one of these topics because all of the things that she did are backed up with her heart for wisdom. It is all derived from her wisdom, all the things that she did. So what I want to do is I want to back up to the beginning of this story and I want to break down individual things or different verses and talk about things that she did in her story. And I want to talk about how this might relate to you, what wisdom looked like for Abigail and what it looks like in the heart of a woman. And also this relates to guys too. So a wise woman, a wise woman, number one, is sensible, is sensible. Verse three says, Abigail was a sensible and a beautiful woman. She wasn't just a beautiful woman, but she was sensible. She had wisdom. You know, I believe one of the most powerful forces on the planet is a beautiful, wise woman. I was reading some statistics the other day. Now, we, we believe that, that, that this is a man's world. Guys, if you believe that this is a man's world, you need to take a second look. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, from a guy's point of view, it's better to be a guy. It really is. We see what you deal with. We, I mean, we... It's not easy being a woman. We just think it's, we think it's better to be a guy. But I want to tell you something. One of the most powerful forces on the planet is a beautiful, sensible woman. I was reading the other day that said 56% of the world's wealth is held by women. 56%. And then there's, within the next 20, 20 years, there's going to be a huge shift of wealth into the female population. Here's why. Because they outlive men by about 10 years. The average age that a woman becomes a widow is 57 years old. Because the guy, he's either unsafe, he doesn't take care of himself. They outlive men. Which means, and I was just, I was listening to a seminar on this. Talk about the the aging demographic. This happens because she's, these days she has her own job. She has her own money. And then, uh, at some point, they inherit you know, whatever their parents had. So she has her money, she has her parents' money, and she's inherited uh, the, the money from his family. And then when he passes away, she gets everything. So there's this big shift of wealth coming within the next 20 years. I want to tell you something. There is nothing more powerful today or in the future as a wise woman. You know, one thing that we learned from Abigail is that she didn't act foolishly. She had the opportunity to make some bad decisions. The Bible talks about a few foolish women in the Bible. I'm going to spend a lot of time there. But one instance is in Job, the second chapter, where Job was going through the hardest trial of his life. He was going through the trial of a lifetime, uh, one of the most incredible trials, about a year process of losing everything, becoming diseased. Losing his family, everything, losing his wealth, losing his reputation at one of the, uh, 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 the, uh, the lowest point in his life. The Bible says that his wife walks up to him and says this. Why don't you just die? That's a very foolish thing to say. He says that to her. You're, you're saying foolish things. Am I only to accept good things from God and not the bad things? Now, all we know about her is she wasn't around for the last part of his life when he was doubly blessed. That's all we know. Somehow, somehow she, she disappears from the book of Job. Lot's wife. The Bible says that we are to remember Lot's wife. I'm talking about women that have destroyed their lives because of foolish decisions. The Bible says that, that they were in Sodom and Gomorrah and the angels grabbed Lot and his wife, take him to the edge of the city, go up to the mountain of Zor. Do not look back. God is about to rain fire and brimstone on this place. She's up at the top of the mountain. 
because, of a, because her heart missed Sodom and Gomorrah. She turns around and the Bible says that it is an instant death sentence. She turns into a statue of salt. You can destroy your lives, ladies, with foolish decisions. However, through wisdom, Abigail brought salvation to not only her life, but also to her family and to her man. Now, this might seem like an overreaction. Actually, it is an overreaction from David. Would you agree with that? That, that this guy insults him, and what happens is he straps on his sword, gets 400 men together, and says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go kill everybody. Everybody dying today. Bad decision. Why the overreaction? Well, you would have to know his backstory. When David kills Goliath, he immediately becomes famous. He is ushered into the king's court. He serves King Saul. He spends some time there. And then as he grows up, he becomes a fighting warrior. The king gives his daughter to David. He has all of this favor. And then the king sends him out on campaigns to, to, uh, you know, to take care of the Philistines over here, to take care of these guys over here. I mean, he sends him out on campaigns like small wars. And every time that David is sent out in battle, the Bible says that he is successful. He never loses. And then all of a sudden, he becomes more famous than Saul. They write songs about him and, and all his uh, exploits. There, I mean, and, and Saul becomes jealous and starts wanting to kill him. So he starts sending him out to battle to impossible situations to win. And he still wins them. So when that doesn't work, Saul determines in his heart to kill him. He actually flings a spear at him while they're having dinner at the king's table. And after that moment, David flees for his life. He leaves his wife. He leaves his, he, he leaves his best friend. He leaves his job. He lives his way of life, his family his, on his father's side. And he becomes this bandit living in the wilderness. He gathers up about 600 men. They are the fiercest of warriors. And he's raiding the enemy territories for food. He's living in the wilderness for shelter, living in caves. He's got Saul behind him with 3,000 men of his brothers that he's, he's fought and bled with, and some of them have died. He's, he's led them to war. Now they're all pursuing him. On one side, on the other side are Philistines, and they're trying to kill him. And then he's, he's living like a bandit. He's living like an outlaw. The last thing that you want to do if you're a sheep farmer is insult this guy. And what's going on, and on top of all that, Saul has given his wife away to another man. He hears about that. So, and then he's, he's, he's protected this guy's sheep. Living out there, he, no, leave his sheep alone, leave his goats alone. No, 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 leave his stuff alone. We're going to do this right. We're going to honor this guy and ask him. And he sends his men down there. And they insult him. It's a slap in the face. One translation says, David says this, it's a slap in the face. Everybody, put on your swords. We're going to go take care of business today. That's why the overreaction. David says this in verse 33. Thank God for your good sense. Only Abigail. Nabal couldn't have shut this down. It was too late for him. David had made a vow. He said, may God kill me if I don't take care of this. Only Abigail could take care of this. There, here's the deal. There was so much more riding on the back of that donkey than Abigail. There was her life, the destiny of her life. There was the safety of her home, but it was also David's kingdom that was at stake. 
There's no way that God would allow David to become king had he committed this murder, had he wiped out all of this people. It was, what's interesting is so much was riding on the back of that donkey. So much was in her hands that day. I want you to realize how much is in your hands, mama. I want you to realize just what the power that God has put in your hands and what you have the ability to do and what's riding on your or what's riding in your hands, what's at stake. In Proverbs 14 and 1, it says, A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. You have the ability, you have the power, you have the influence to build up your home, to build up your man, to build up your life, to build up your children. You also have the ability to tear it down with your own hands. A wise woman woman is a sensible woman. You believe that? Say amen. Second, a wise woman is a swift woman. In other words, she takes action. I like to say it like this. She took, uh, Abigail took massive, immediate action. In 1 Samuel 25 and 18, it says, Abigail wasted no time. As soon as she found out the report, as soon as the servant came to her and said, listen to me, it's about to get hairy up in here. Things are about to go really bad. The Bible says she wasted no time. She didn't go argue with, with her husband. She didn't talk about how, what, you know, what a fool he was. She didn't go to her room and pout. She didn't gather up the kids. She didn't go to the servants. and she, you know, she didn't cause a big scene. The Bible says that that would have been a waste of time. And she wasted no time. She didn't waste any time fretting. She didn't waste any time. She, she, she acted. In fact, she took immediate, massive action. I think it's important that we pay attention to the things that we do when things need to be acted upon and we stop wasting time. You believe that same man? Maybe, ladies, you've been in a tough place. Maybe you're in a relationship that, 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 that's, that's a, a tough relationship or a bad relationship. Or maybe you're single. Maybe you're in a, in a situation in your life. You're in a situation with a relationship with your family. You're in a very, very tough place. And, and maybe you've been fretting or maybe you've been wasting time. Maybe it's time to stop wasting time and to act. I thought about how many times we excuse ourselves in situations like this. Abigail had an opportunity to say, well, that's his fault. Well, that's a good excuse. I didn't do this. She acted in a, in, a, in a situation that she had an excuse to get out of. You know what excuse is? Excuses are reasons that we use to get us out of our responsibilities. Let me say it again. Excuses are reasons we use to not take responsibility for our situations. Amen? Now, everyone has something. Everyone, everyone has an excuse for something. And I find many times when it comes to somebody taking responsibility for, for whatever went wrong at the house or whatever the church, a lot of times when you're trying to find out who's responsible, it's like playing dodgeball. No, it's not me, it's them. Whoa, no. You know. But for somebody to take responsibility in a situation that wasn't even her fault, that is a very rare Thing. Abigail had plenty of excuses not to act and take responsibility, but that's not what she does. The very first words out of her mouth were, this is my fault. 
even though it wasn't. She says, I am to blame. She didn't make excuses. She takes responsibility for not only the actions of her home, but she takes responsibility for the actions of Nabal, her husband. Listen to me. No one is going to act on your situation unless you do. Whatever situation you're in, you can make excuses. You can, you can push blame on other people. But nobody is going to act on your situation unless you do. Look at your neighbor and say, you better do something. It doesn't matter whose fault it was. At, the po- at that point with Abigail, it did not matter if it were her husband's fault. Stop making excuses and take responsibility for your situation and take massive, immediate action because massive, immediate action will change anything in your life. Why? Because action puts into motion the change that needs to take place. Instead of getting mad, instead of getting sad, instead of getting, uh, instead of getting offended, pouting, talking to your girlfriends about how sorry your man is, talking about your situation to other people, instead of griping, get busy and change your situation by taking massive, immediate action. That's what Abigail did. Look at your neighbor and say, get busy. A wise woman is a sensible woman. A wise woman is a swift woman, a woman that takes action. And lastly, a wise woman is a selfless woman. In other words, she is humble. In the 23rd verse, it says, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed. She bowed before him. Low, the Bible says, She fell at his feet and says, I accept the blame in this matter. Lord, please listen to what I have to say. She goes on to say, I never even saw those young men. If I would have saw them, I would have done something about that situation. Later, she goes on to apologize. I'll I'll talk more about that next week. Whoever said, whoever said the best way or the best way to a man's heart is through his stomach doesn't know men. And we all like to eat, right? We all like to eat. But that's, I believe, I believe that this story right here gives an insight of the best way to a man's heart. You see, men have pride issues. We have pride issues. We have ego issues. If you think about the number one psychological, physiological needs of a man, way up there towards the top is a need for admiration and a need for respect. It's just in us. We can't help it. Every fight that we ever got in in grade school was over respect. Somebody disrespected us. Every fight that you ever got in uh, in, in high school was somebody either said, called you a name and it wasn't true. Somebody said something to your girlfriend, something like that. That's why it was always over respect. It was about being insulted. If you, I, I guarantee you, you line up the oldest guys in this house 60, 70, 80 years old, and you go talking trash to their face, somebody's going to start swinging because it's disrespectful. Nothing touches. We, we don't live in those times like David, but we share the heart of our ancestors. Nothing touches and calms the storm in a man's life quicker than humility, especially if it is shown by a beautiful woman that he loves. Did you hear that? That's one of the quickest ways to a man's heart. If you want to change the mind of your angry husband, that is the quickest way. David didn't even know Abigail when he made this commitment. May God kill me 
if everybody in Nabal's house isn't dead by tomorrow morning. May God kill him. He didn't even know her. That's why I believe only Abigail could have taken care of this. How did she turn his heart? How in the world did she turn his heart after he made this commitment? I'll tell you how she did it. She did it through humility. Imagine this scene. Imagine this scene. David has just announced to his entire army, hey, we're, we're about 400 or going, 200 of you are staying back. Everybody get on your horse. They all get on their horse. I don't know. Maybe they painted their face, you know, like they did in Braveheart or whatever. They're, they're all right. They're excited. They get, you know, they're, you know, you know, be brave. You know, they're, they're about to go die. Some of them are going to die. So this is all going on. They're riding their horses, 400 horses, probably in a pyramid line or whatever it looked like. Trotting, walking, horses are, are nickering and making the, the neighing sound. All, that's, they're, all the dust is in the air. They're going down. They're, and the Bible says, what we read, what, you know, what I read in the commentary was they were coming down in this ravine, like this great big ravine. They were going down and they met in this valley. And all of a sudden, you see this woman riding this donkey all by herself. And she's coming down this, this hill. And they're coming down this hill and they meet in this ravine. Nobody knows what's going on. Well, they stop, you know. It's a lady on a donkey. We've got to let her by. Everybody calm down. Everybody calm down. Everybody be quiet. She doesn't say one word. She dismounts from her donkey. And she walks over and kneels right before him in front of all of his men. Bows down as low as she can and says, I am to blame for all of this, if I have offended you in any way, I am to blame. The first thing out of her mouth was a mark of submission. You know, submission, it gets a bad rap. Ephesians 5 and 22 says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Ooh, ah, that, that doesn't feel good, does it? It gets a bad rap. It's, it's the, our culture has made it to be something bad. Submission is simply to comply with given authorities. The Bible talks about how we are to submit to each other. Husbands and wives are supposed to submit to each other. The Bible says that within the context of the church that we're supposed to be submissive. Our biggest issue with our country today is our disrespect for authority and our issue with submission. But it is meant to be a very, very beautiful thing. The, the best way to deal with a warrior, a wounded warrior, a wounded warrior of his pride who would soon be king is through submissive humility. Listen to what, listen to what she says. She says this. Never mind, I'm not going to read it. I need to go, I, I, I got to keep moving. Humility is not only irresistible to God. Humility is irresistible to his sons. We are made in the image of our Lord. Uh, a jerk is abusive to humility, but a real man sees humility as a gift. Let me tell you something, and this might be a little bit controversial. Ladies, you want to be unique in our culture? Be humble. Be humble when it comes to your husband. Be humble when it comes to serving. Be humble when it comes to your job. And I, I could flip that around and say the same thing to guys. It's Mother's Day, so I'm saying this. Hey, let me tell you something. Feminism is the norm. We get it. We're, we didn't grow up in the same 
world as our grandfathers and our fathers. We get it. God created everybody equal. When it's talking about submission, it's talking about to your husbands, not to men in general. So, so you want to you be unique. You want to be different. Have a heart of humility. I mean, like I said before, we get it. That, 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 that we are all created equal in God and in the, in the church. You, but if you want something unusual, be humble. Be a woman or be a man devoted to act like Christ. In Philippians 2 and 3, it says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. I want you to listen to the remaining part of this verse within the context of marriage. And this could go to husbands and wives the same. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human king. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. Through humility, Jesus earned the right to be Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Through humility, he earned the right that every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. He earned that right through humility. The Bible says because of his humility, God has greatly exalted him. You want to be greatly exalted in this life? You want to be honored by your family? You want to be honored by your husband? You want to be honored by people in your job? Take on the role of a servant. Jesus gives us an example and he teaches it. Amen? That's how she saved her family and won a king's heart. I'm going to finish this next week. Listen, humility will bring you wisdom and can save your life. Take the humble approach. The greatest investment, I'm going to close with this, the greatest investment in the next generation, I believe, is from our mothers. And a wise woman if you, a wise woman can become one of the most impactful mothers when she seeks God in wisdom. I believe that God will do that in your life if you'll seek God's wisdom in your life. You believe that? Say amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. I pray, Lord, that you will minister in your own way to every person here, and we especially pray for moms today. I pray, Lord, that, that you will minister to women. Thank you so much for the heart of mothers. Thank you so much for the nurturing of our mothers. We pray for moms today. And I pray, Lord, also, I pray also for people here today. Lord, that in 2017 and 2016, God, if, if they lost their mother, I pray for people today because there are people that may be hurting I pray, Lord, that you will heal. May we remember, God, the wonderfulness of each mother. And I pray, Father, that, that you will heal anybody that might be hurting, that might have lost his or her mother. And, Lord, I pray for moms, Lord, that might be hurting today, that might be going through situations as we discussed earlier. Lord, that that we will seek, that mothers will seek wisdom. Your word says that wisdom is for the asking. 
may we seek you for the wisdom in our lives. And Father, may we, may mothers, Lord, today, may they impact the generation that's coming behind us in a positive way as they seek wisdom and seek to honor you in the name of Jesus.